This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 94 with Hallie Bach. Show notes for this episode can be found at shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 94. Hallie Bach is the author of Life Incorporated, a practical guide to wholehearted living, as well as the founder and CEO of Life Incorporated, an organization that fosters mindful connection in all areas of life as the means to experience a wholehearted, fulfilling, and joyful life. Hallie lives here in Seattle, and she now spends her time a little outside of the corporate world where she spent many, many years. She spends her time authoring content and connecting others to her vision and her mission at Life Incorporated. She also continues to teach, speak, and consult with executives and firms seeking scalable growth. As a prominent thought leader, Hallie has spoken to leaders and audiences across the globe on topics of relationships, connection, culture, management, and fulfillment. You might notice that Hallie is a repeat guest. Hallie joined us in episode 30. At that time, her book was not out yet. She now has a published book, Life Incorporated, A Practical Guide to Wholehearted Living. It is so good. Um, my, I have to say my favorite thing about this book is that it incorporates her personal story of struggle into all of the practical tips that she gives everyone for living a better, more powerful, more uh, more empowering life. So I loved hearing the personal pieces. Um, I'm always up for a good story. And I was really fascinated by the personal elements that she wove into the tapestry of this book. It's a very powerful book. She's going to dive into some of the components of the book today in the interview. And I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from her. What I most appreciate about this book and the reason I'm recommending it to you is because of the practicality of it, that you can go out, you can get this book, you can read through it. There are worksheets in the book and exercises in the books 
where you can start to put into place some of the practices that Hallie used to really turn her life around and find herself uh, in a, after a time of feeling very lost, very disconnected, and really struggling in some of her most personal relationships, especially after her own mother fired her as the CEO of a corporation. So let's go ahead and dive in with Hallie Bach. Hallie Bach, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. You are our first repeat interviewee. Oh my gosh, what an honor, Sarah. I want to be that guest on your show that's like, and here she is again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You just come on. Well, I mean, every time you write a new book, you can just come on the show. So no no, no pressure. Don't say that. (laughs) So you just yesterday, congratulations. Yesterday, you launched your book to the world. How are you feeling today? pretty darn excited, you know, nice. and nervous at the same time, right? It's, it's out there. It's a, that you hear the analogy of it's like, it's like giving birth and you wonder, are people going to tell me my baby's ugly or not? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's true. And, and, and the thing is, you know, uh, everyone's going to experience it differently, but it feels like a major accomplishment. Uh, so I'm very happy with that. It is such an accomplishment. And I have to say, you sent me an advanced copy of the book. Thank you so much. Um, so you sent me an advanced copy of Life Inc. And as I started reading through it, I knew there was going to be a lot of practical application in terms of um, th- things I could do to improve my quality of life, which I'm always up for. But I love how the balance between personal and um, you telling your personal story and then also making the book very um, applicable to anyone's life is really phenomenal. How was that for you in terms of like putting a lot of personal stories out there, but then also creating something that other people could use to really improve their quality of life and how they live? Well, you know, from my over a decade experience training employees and leaders on how to better their relationships, it really, I found was the same powerful formula of, you know, when I would go in and and speak with them or, or coach, um, coach executives, I wouldn't start at the business level. I would always give examples of, you know, take a concept and give an example of that playing out in personal life, because I think we can all sort of meet there pretty easily. Um, and then take that into the business situation of like, okay, now take the scenario that may happen, you know, in your relationships at home, take this into the office and you can sort of see the same dynamics play out. Um, so, so that is just a good way. I, and, and I personally, I just admire and respect people that have, uh, the nerve to show the kind of vulnerability that, you know what, I've been knocked down. I'm not just speaking um, and giving you a lot of platitudes and speaking from some high horse. I'm speaking to you, you know, as Brene Brown would say, from someone that is in the arena and, and you know, gotten her, her you-know-what kicked right. a, a, a few times. And I, it, it gives a – it lends credibility to that. And then the practical side, all the how-to that you're referring to – you know, that's just really speaks to the kind of person I am. And again, when I worked with leaders and, and trained employees, it's like, you know, you can tell me that having relationships and, and showing up and, and having honest conversations is great. But how, you know, how do I do that? Because we all define words so differently. What does honest mean? You know, right. barbarically truthful or, <laughs> you know, like, what is that? How do I do that? Like, do you have a formula? Um, So as much as I can do, I always try to put that in there um, because I would need the same. It's like, I, okay, give me the reasons why, and then give me the how, and, and I may shift it down the line and make it my own, but at least give me a framework that I can play in. 
Right. And well, and I think that those specifics are so helpful because in fact, we I've been having conversations about new year's resolutions as I know you have too. And when you talk about something big, like I just want to get healthy this year, it's like that could mean a million different (laughs) things. So you have to make Mm -hmm. it really specific and applicable to you. And that's what you've done in the book is you've talked about things that you were very specifically uh, behaviors that you specifically targeted and mindset shifts that you specifically targeted to really reframe your life. And people need those, you know, examples of what worked for you to decide what could work for them just to give them some ideas to like, Oh, yes, I could try this rather than just being like, I'm just going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Instead of just throwing them into an environment, it's like, let me take you into this room and show you the furniture I put in here and why yes, and then people can start to okay, I like that I'm going to keep that right, I'm going to move around, you know, and and first they can see themselves in there, and then they can make it their own. Totally. So when you were approached about writing a book, it, you were, it was going to be on organizational leadership is, or something around that. Was that correct? That was the initial, you know, thrust of me becoming a, you know, an, an author. It was interesting because I was still leading a leadership organization. It was really more of an ask from my marketing department of, you know, gee, a book would be a great thing to have out there. Uh, which is typical of a lot of leadership companies. You sort of have the thought leader and, I didn't really buy into that sort of strategy as a marketing strategy, um, but I was also very passionate about creating and sustaining positive, healthy, highly productive cultures within right. organizations. That was my sweet spot, and and that's what I was always, you know, focused on creating um, at the company I was with because I knew that if I could land on the best place to work and have a strong culture that it was actually a leading indicator of high profits, which it was time and time again. And so I thought, you know, okay, if, if I need to write a book, I'll, I'll focus on that. But at the same time, I was also just sensing and, and some of this within myself as well. Um, you know, as, as you get busy and I know we, we both, you know, are, are, fatigued with the amount of busy in the world, you know, and, and at that time in my life, I was very busy and it was, it was like this, you know, look at me, I look at my schedule, it's so full, but yet I was starting to feel less and less fulfilled. And when I looked across the room at others I was working with, I saw that same vacancy in their eyes. And so the, the shift of, you know, writing a book about culture really the book that wanted to come out of me was forgetting the organization, you know, setting that aside for the moment and getting down into the personal level and and shifting that culture of one. Right. And that's so the I'm going to read the first sentence of your introduction, which is a quote that you texted to someone. And it says in italics, can you call me? I think my marriage is over. So when I think I'm going to read a book about like organizational leadership, and that's the first line, I was like, what? (laughs) And and I love a good story. So I was immediately drawn in. But I was also it 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 made um, the information that you have put forth in this book so much more compelling, because not that we've all sent that text, but we've all sent texts like that or been in situations like that, where all of a sudden, like everything is crashing in. And your that just that one sentence on a line by itself feels so huge, but also so like tiny and isolated and scary and terrifying. Um, and so I think that going in for that deep personal angle of your personal story 
at the time that you were going through, um, through all these things and supposed to be writing about organizational leadership, I think is really, really powerful. So can you talk a little bit about what started happening in your personal life that precipitated and then ended up ultimately inspiring Life Inc.? And how did you have to change course in your writing as that all unfolded? Well, you know, I, at this leadership development company, I was a CEO and shareholder. The main shareholder was my mother. And I had led the organization over a decade, just tremendous growth. But at the same time, you know, for me, um, it was a very uh, expensive uh, relationship to be in, in terms of um, with my mother. And, and it was it was something that, you know, had existed when I was young. And, and I, I had always uh, sort of strived to get um, feel like I was worthy in, in her eyes. And, and in my particular situation, it was very hard to get. And there was a lot of, um, drama and trauma associated with that time. And specifically my relationship with her was very distracting. It was hard for me to get anything done. It was hard to sustain, um, any joy. I loved the company and the employees, but I had this major distraction that kept swooping in and, and undercutting me. And, um, out of the blue, uh, one day she called me into a conference room and delivered the lines, you're fired, which I guess I could have started the book that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and as much as it was um, sort of a shock, I wasn't that surprised because I couldn't sustain uh, staying in that, that environment much longer. It was something that my wife and I would talk about. It created so much stress for me. And it was, it was kind of the universe's way of saying, if you're not going to remove yourself from the situation, I'm going to make this go down in such a way, like you can never even walk back into that door. Uh, and so that's, that's what happened. I was fired, you know, from that position, you know, there's, there's always two, three, four, five sides to (laughs) the story. But what that did is it compelled me to follow what I was mentioning earlier and pick up that thread of personal transformation. Um, And, you know, what do we do, uh, especially, you know, if we're in our mid 30s through mid 50s, and and we've been doing all the things that we've been told to do, um, or going after the things that, that we feel like we need. And, and we end up either dumped on the side of the road, sort of like I felt I was, or we just feel really completely, you know, empty and wondering what has all of this been for. Right. And that was my moment for me. So I took that experience and used it to sort of go deep, go deep on myself or all these components. Um, you know, why was I allowing myself to exist in this situation, which is not healthy in any way? Um, but but I was, um, you know, willing to give up my own self-esteem and self-worth and place that in another person's hand. You know, wh- what were those patterns? What, what What was everything and what was my new calling? Yeah. And was the time so, and connecting the dots here between your mother firing you and feeling like your marriage was at high risk. Um, was that at the t- similar time frame, or were those separate? Those were somewhat separate. Okay. You know, my marriage situation had been a little bit earlier on okay. in, 
in the timeline and okay. was resolving itself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you had that to hold, to, to keep you supported during the major mm-hmm. professional uh, transition. So in the book, you talk about, and I'm going to, this is a little bit of a longer quote and you'll, you probably, do you love hearing people read parts of your book out loud? Kind of. <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay. So this is a, I actually, I mean, I highlighted a lot of things in the book, um, but this one, I was like, I want to put this up on a wall. So uh, this is in the, I think it's near the beginning of the book, but it says, everything worthwhile takes effort. I've never seen anyone deposited into greatness by default, nor have I seen anyone in a rich relationship with themselves, others, or what they do without equal parts, strength, vulnerability, and attention. And I love that because greatness is not accidental and it doesn't happen by default. It is something that people have to pursue and create for themselves. It's, but it's also something anyone can do and you can do it in so many different ways. So what efforts are you, and you talk tremendously about this in the book and in many different ways, how you went about finding greatness in your life, but how are you now making, um, finding greatness in your life and in all areas of your life? Well, I, I think a lot of, you know, what that quote is about, and it's, it's interesting you pulled that one because that's one that I've pulled out recently. And I think it's a, it's a great reminder. Um, and I think we all need to hear it because what I see happen, whether it's, you know, we've hired a new employee and we're all excited about them, or we get into a new relationship and we're excited about our new partner, or we pick up a new, um, vocation and we're excited about that. We tend to put in a lot of effort in the beginning. And then over time, uh, we, we, we ease off, you know, and and we sort of put these things on autopilot. And, and think that we can just kind of let things ride. And, and by not engaging as much or not being as intentional and mindful with it, that it'll just hold status quo where we left things. Right. Um, and I, you know, in leadership, I saw this happen all the time with a new hire. You'd be all hot and, and bothered about this new person. They were amazing, all these great plans. And then, you know, within four months, those monthly one-on-ones would turn into checklisting, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? And the conversations would become more and more narrow. And, you know, one day, you know, for me, one of my clients would wake up and, you know, have, have a notice uh, of someone wanting to leave and not understanding what happened Um, because their feelings about that person didn't change, but yet the way they were interacting with them did. And we can't read one another's minds. I mean, we just can't. I wish we could. Right, I know. And so yeah. So um, and so we do this uh, in a lot of different areas of our life. You know, whether it's you know elements uh, aspects with our kids. Um, you know, I've got two kids or our jobs. And granted, we can't be full throttle on everything all the time. This quote is to say we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that when we've got our hand off of one thing or we're easing back, that there is an impact to that relationship or Mm -hmm. that situation. And it's going to take more effort. The longer we hold off or or need to sort of put that aside, the longer that happens, the more effort it's going to take for us to bring that back where we want it. Right. Um, So, you know, how do I apply this in my own life? You know, I... I don't believe you'll read in the book. I was asked a lot about work-life balance. As a <laughs> I leader. was just going to ask you about that. Uh, well, I don't want to change your rating on, on iTunes, but I think it's <laughs> yes. I'll go with that version. Um, 
because balance balance is you know nature achieves that every once in a while um and and we do every once in a while but it's it's not really meant to be sustained right it's it's those are those are momentary you know serendipitous things where everything is just sort of happening in alignment but to try to freeze it there is you know um to want to be some deity or, or god or something we just we can't um and and so instead it's really instead of balance it's 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 that mindfulness of okay are we um you know in this particular moment in this situation is our attention where it needs to be and how can we at least give time to each aspect of our life so our physical spiritual well-being as well as um, ensuring that we're still checking in. Are we still tapped into our passion? Are we still connected to that? Um, so when I look around at my vocation and all my avocations, is there an element of that that's being expressed there? Um, or am I just now doing things because they're old habit? Right. And, and, and then, you know, finally looking at our relationships and, you know, for me, my marriage, my kids are, are certainly some key relationships for me. What kind of impact am I having on them? Are they better off each day for having interacted with me? Or am I sort of taking withdrawals um, here and there? And what, if anything, do I need to be doing about that? And I think that's such a valuable conversation for this time of year, because I think that a really common resolution is, um, and we're, neither of us are huge resolution fans, but, but I think a really common resolution is I'm going to find better balance in the new year. I'm going to have better work-life balance, all those kinds of things. And I think that maybe a more appropriate goal would be to be focused wherever you are. So like if you're having family time, be in the family time, be in the moment. If you're having work time, be in the moment of the work time. And, and then you can certainly, you know, the goal could also be like, I'm going to have more family time this year, or I'm going to have less work time, or maybe it's more work time, whatever is uh, most appropriate for you. But like more of a be here now type of a goal versus a more balanced life, because you're right that it can't, it doesn't exist, um, except for in certain instances in nature. And it's not even really something that, that needs to be sought after. Um, and Mm -hmm. I, have heard a lot of people talk about, um, like treating life like sports seasons, which I think is also a great analogy that like, there's times where, for maybe a week or a month or whatever, like work is going to have to be at the forefront because you're in a particular season of work. And then there's other times where family can be at the forefront because you're in a particular season of family. And so, you know, coming off of the holidays, it's like a lot of us probably had a lot of family time. And so it's like, you know, that's we're in season with the family. And now like a lot of us are thankfully like it's post season on the family now. And, um, but I think that that makes so much more sense to look at balance that way and looking at, um, like you said, being present when you are actually in a certain place and being focused when you're actually in that place. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show 
where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over 1 million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. Yeah, there's a certain amount of grace we need to have with life. You know, it's we can make any plans we want, but at some point and, you know, sooner rather than later, it, that plan is going to collide with reality and it's right. going to look nothing like you know, it's original format. So we have to, you know, have that, that grace to allow life to happen. And, and I love, you know, um, enjoying, you know, athletics myself. I love that sports analogy and, you know, things will shift, things will come, uh, forward. You know, our kids will come forward. Our job will come forward and have extra demands of us. And that's okay. What we want to do is just not get myopic and lost in that and lose the rest of the landscape. Right. You know, we need to see, uh, make sure that we're kind of popping up and, and surveying the entire landscape so that we can then work to shift things around and not just get sort of sucked down um, and lost in something, things that are pulling us, but it's like, how can we proactively drive some of this right. in our life? And you gave a great example, um, in your professional career of like working, living, eating, breathing work and mm-hmm. living at the office, literally sleeping at the office with your whole social circle and is 
just people from the office. And, um, and I, and I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think once you have kids, some of that has to change to some extent, um, or your marriage will definitely be compromised or your relationship will be compromised with your children and with your significant other. But I don't think that's an uncommon place for people to go. If for people who are highly driven and people who really love their work. And I know that like my husband and I have seen that when we both had our open businesses before having a child and we were like, sure, let's work till nine tonight. Like that sounds awesome. <laughs> like why, would we actually want to hang out with each other? We could be doing more work. <laughs> and it wasn't, it didn't feel like a punishment. Like if, you know, if I was punching the clock somewhere and someone said I had to be there till nine, it would have been very different. But when it's your passion and you're into it and you're involved, it's easy to just like you said, like unknowingly detach and disconnect from so much of the, um, of the outside world. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting what you said there, I think it's especially hard for, for people that run their own business or, you know, run a a household and don't necessarily have the structure of a nine to five, um, sort of office job. I know it's harder for me, you know, and having, having left the office and, and I've been in the situation of working for myself more than once. You'd think I'd know what I'm doing, but it's, (laughs) you know, it's harder because the lines are blurry. Yes. Um, I'm not walking necessarily out of one door and into another there. Where is that transition? And, and like you see, you know, there's a honeymoon phase with everything. So it can be exciting and perfectly okay to go deep into something. Um, and, and what's interesting is, you know, my wife and I have done that in, in various cycles in our life. And we think, well, we got this whole marriage thing. Our marriage is awesome. It's, it's great. <laughs> but then, you know, what's happening when you're not looking, looking, um, is it is degrading just little by little, by little, by little that, that intimacy and that strength of connection is eroding away. And you've got to, you know, as, as good as you feel, you've got to look back, you've got to tend to those things. It's like, if you have kids, I remember when I had kids, you know, people would, would give me their number one advice was to have <laughs> date night. And I thought, well, you know, what's the big deal about date night? Um, but yeah, I, I hated see, date night for a while. Like I was like, really? Like I have to put on real clothes and like <laughs> boots and take a shower. Like it just seemed like one more chore. I was like, this is not a, a privilege. This is not fun. I, yeah. And it felt, it's like, why? Either it seems selfish, like, right. what, okay, so you, first thing you want to do is go run away from your kid or like, <laughs> what is all this about? And then I got it after, you know, having a, a baby land in our lap and being, you know, completely sucked into that is that really that advice for date night was to right. not lose connection with your partner. Right, right. You kind of you have to get out of the weeds a little bit. And then and mm-hmm. it's I think especially when you have very young children, getting out the door is just hard. Like it takes a lot of planning and planning for a sitter and all these things. But then like when you're actually separated you're like, Oh, this is so great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, hi, hey you. You yeah. know? Yes. I, there you are. <laughs> yeah. And I still like you. That's great. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so you have in the book, this chart that I'm obsessed with, and I have reviewed this probably like four or five times. Now I actually even typed it out because I was like, I need to like ingrain this on my brain. And you talked about living outside in versus inside out. And I'm going to give a couple of examples of living outside in. And then the flip side of that living inside out. Um, and, and I want to kind of talk about how you see this happening and maybe you could advise us on how to improve it. So you talk about um, measuring living outside in would be measuring success as, as comparison as how you compare against others versus inside out where success would be determined by your own measure. 
or versus uh, for inside out could be uh, pursuing happiness as a goal versus inside out would be experiencing happiness due to the way in which you live. Um, and I'll do one more here. Uh, let's see. In, outside in would be life expands to fill all your time. So people who are very busy and important and then mm-hmm. living from the outside or from the inside out would be time expands as you live a full life that you have more and more room to live. So talk a little bit about that because like each of these, I think you gave six or seven examples. Each of them, I was like, sometimes I definitely more than I would want to admit live outside in versus inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, so, so what that is, and it's, it's a totally normal and it's a totally human thing to do, right? Because really living outside in sort of trying to, which is trying to, to achieve happiness or experience fulfillment when we're living outside in, we're trying to work through exterior means to deliver that internally. And, it's a totally human thing to do because we want a sense of belonging that's hugely important to us as a species. Um, it's one of the things that freaks us out the most, you know, if we if we feel like we don't belong. And the quickest way to do that is is you know sort of put paint on the facade, right? You know, right. what what can we do? How can I earn money? Um, what are the metrics I can grow here? Um, that will look good because if I have those things, which it appears other people have, then I will feel good inside. Like how many likes can I get on Facebook? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really interesting. I, you know, and having been someone that has spent way too much time on social media to now I'm, you know, not on there very often. I've certainly found a correlation between the amount of time I spend on social media and my ability to drive happiness internally. Interesting. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. I'm more when I'm more fulfilled and more connected to my passion. I'm just on there less. Yeah. Um, I don't need that sort of instant gratification or kind of looking for something to inject into me. Right. Like, like me, tell me I'm important. <laughs> right. You know, those things will always feel feel good, but I need it less. I just right. I find that I am there less. So when I look at those cycles, it's it's really interesting. I'd let you know, it'd be cool to have some visual map of that and plot it against my life. Um, <laughs> but that's living outside in, and and that's you know when we talk about these New Year's resolutions and people saying I want to lose weight or I want to get fit, that's a version of of doing that. It's you know if if I can look differently on the outside, then I will feel differently about myself. Right. And that may be, you know, one component of getting to that. But when you look to just that, um, and you're trying to fix something that is broken inside by just focusing on something external, um, it's, it's a game you can't win. There's, there's no there, there. Right. One of my good friends would say, there's nothing there. Um, and so instead working from the inside out, and this is big for me. And again, I wrote about all the stuff that are challenges for me because I do like to, um, you know, sort of be as fit as possible. Those things are important. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, that, that titles and, and status, you know, it has had meaning to me, but when I hung my mantle on those things, I found that I was at the weakest in terms of internal collapse. Right. So we have to work with, um, the, our internal well-being, which has to do with 
what is our relationship with ourself? You know, what, what is the quality of that? Is there self-loathing? Do I feel like I am not worthy just as I am right now, 10, 15 pounds overweight, whatever the situation is, not earning that 90 K job. Like, so if there's something that we're needing from the outside to deliver the worth, then we need to start in, you know, we need to commune with self and, or we also need to um, connect with what we are passionate about instead of trying to hang ornaments on our trees find out why we're here in the first place you know we hear Simon Sinek you know find your why it's like what is it about you you know I really do believe that each of us were put on this planet for a really specific reason you know there's there's no duplicates here and yet we try to live as if we're we're trying to copy and duplicate someone else's success or what they're doing scratch that that's, I don't think that that's part of the plan. You're an original, so live an original life. And when you do that, you will find, A, you don't have to rely on all these external things so much, and B, when you do feel great about yourself, those things like you know being fit and treating yourself better, treating your body better, are just going to start to come in um, and work with you mm-hmm. instead of you working so hard on it. When it feels really... Um, it feels fun and rewarding if you're treating yourself that way because you feel good about yourself versus doing it. And I talk about this all the time with exercise and with food. But if you're coming from a place of punishment, like I hate myself, I don't like how I look, I can't believe I let myself gain this much weight, like those kinds. And then you decide that that's why you're going to exercise or that's why you're going to eat salad instead of a burger and fries like that. That doesn't feel good. And it's not rewarding. It's just part of this, um, this horrible process of self-loathing that many Mm -hmm. of us get into a vicious cycle of. So it feels exercise feels very differently. If you're like, I can't wait to take great care of myself. I can't wait to feel good. I can't wait to sweat. I can't wait to be strong. Like that's just a completely different frame, um, uh, frame of mind. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I was a smoker many years ago and it just, it's almost horrifying to me that I was when I, you know, when I think about my perspective on it now, having been out of it for 10 years now, but it's like, you know, I knew mental, you know, I knew all the reasons why I should quit smoking. Like I knew that. And it's just like weight or, you know, food relationships with food, anything you keep coming back to that isn't serving you. Uh, when you engage in something that, um, you know, like we're not just talking about, oh, I gained 10 pounds over the holidays and I know how to get that off. That's one thing versus the person that's always sort of at this door every January, still wanting to lose those 15 to 20 pounds. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, just like me as a smoker who knew all the reasons like, yeah, I'll live longer and, you know, I'll stop with this horrible cough, you know, and I, I really didn't like it. I didn't like something having so much control over me. I hated that. Um, and so it was all in my head, but I hadn't connected in my heart, like what it was that that was giving me or what I was needing about that. And until you go deeper with that, then you're going to, you know, it's cause I would, you know, I, I would quit for a week or two weeks and then I'd be right back on again. You know, I hadn't, gone deep. Yeah. You have to really connect how the positive impact of your life uh, Mm -hmm. um, and what will happen as a result of the long-term change. And that can be, you have to be ready for that. 
That's right. And introspective enough, not to say that you were not an introspective person, but you have to be introspective enough, like take the time to be introspective enough about that very specific thing, I think. Um, And I think that's why a lot of times people, I mean, the same thing could be said about sugar and many other habits that, um, and things that are, you know, I think nicotine is more extremely addictive than a lot of other things, but anything that you form an addiction to, whether it's based on a chemical addiction or just a habit that you built, that you build um, routines around, I think that so much of it is related to, um, or breaking it is so much related to that introspection of like, how is this serving me? How is this not serving me? What will my life look like when I'm beyond it? And and what Mm -hmm. value does that hold? Um, And that's all really significant as well. Mm -hmm. So you broke the book into four parts and each part Mm -hmm. is has its own, I mean, each part is like deep and I was going to say deeply rooted. So I'll just say that because (laughs) now I'm like totally tying into the book. You broke the book into four parts related to trees. So that's why I had to give the little pun there about being deeply rooted. Can you explain the significance of each part of life, Inc.? Yeah. uh, So I, I use the analogy of a a tree to represent a life um, because I love trees and, and I find visuals helpful. I'm a visual person. Uh, so if you just told me I had these four areas and maybe there were circles, you know, on, on a paper, be like, okay, all right, those <laughs> are the plates I have to spin. I think it's a lot funner to like tend to a tree. I don't know. So, um, so there's four parts. And I, again, you know, going back one more time to my work with um, leaders and, and their organizations, you to build a successful organization, you can't just work across one plane, right? You can't just work on the products that you're selling to create success. You have to work multidimensionally. You have to make sure your, you know, employees are taken care of and that you have a healthy and vibrant culture. You need to make sure that the the company has a vision and a mission and a, and a set of values that they're adhering to that aren't just corporate speak or a plaque on the wall. Um, because those drip down into the, the culture and feed that, that, then, you know, everything that you're doing as an organization, is it serving the purpose or is it noise? Is it trying to chase what the competition is doing? Is it, you know, lateral movement instead of really focused? And then, and then finally, you know, what is your impact, you know, with those services you're giving, what impact are you having on the market? Do your customers share the love with you? Mm -hmm. And you have to have all of those things going to have a successful organization. Right. And, and the deeper you start and whether the organization is a large company, a small company, a business you run from home or just your, uh, you know, a family organization. Any size, any size. And so it's the same with a life. Um, We can't just work, um, you know, on the sort of physical facade and, and expect to be successful. We can't just pay attention to like giving all our time away to our relationships and having lots of friends out there and feel like that's going to deliver us a, a wholehearted and meaningful life. So, so the tree could almost map to an organization, but for a person, there's the foundation. So that's the soil in which you root yourself. And, and in the foundation, in the book, there's sort of three sub elements there. There's your physical well-being, your inner life and your environment. So we're looking at, you know, okay, are you, you know, this, this body that we need to carry us around? Um, are you doing things that will, you know, help it do that for you? Because without it, you know, it's like, we need this, we need this carriage, um, that we've got and our inner life. What is the strength of our emotional and spiritual well-being? Um, 
and and I talk a lot about mindfulness in there as a way to practice and craft the ability to respond to life instead of react to it, to um, be proactive um, and, and understand thoughts. And, you know, they may feel true um, or they feel real, but they're not true. Mm-hmm. And just sort of understanding that. And then, you know, who is it that we're kind of hanging around with? Um, and where have we physically set ourselves up? So there's that in the foundation. Um, and there's exercises in there and, and suggestions for practices to fortify that. Um, because really this, the, the health and sort of those nutrients, right, that a tree has available to it determines a lot of how it's able to go up and out. So that's where the book starts. And then there's the roots of the tree, which are your inspiration. And in there, um, I talk about writing a personal manifesto, which is really like the gas in your car. It's the gasoline. Like what really turns you on and drives you? Um, and a personal mission statement. And then defining your own values, which really act as a rudder for you. It's like now that you know what you are, you've found your why uh, by doing the manifesto and mission statement, what are the core values which are going to determine how you behave in how you reach those goals. Um, and this is for those of you thinking of or putting together the time of year right now, I think those exercises are so valuable for right now when you're thinking, because again, people get really into like, I want to be happier in the new year or whatever, putting some really tactical, specific things about what you actually want your life to look like and what you actually stand for and what is really significant to to you, I think is so important, which is why I love the exercises that you have in the book, because it really helps you process exactly like, where am I now? Where do I want to go? And identify these like little pieces that sometimes we have a hard time really defining and uh, putting like mm-hmm. pen to paper with. So I had to interject mm-hmm. and say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is right. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I actually delayed the book. They, w- they were going to put it out in, in November. And I said, you know what, let's go for January because I feel, you know, that's the time when we're all taking this inventory. Um, and, and probably by now, uh, now that we're in the middle of January, a lot of those resolutions have died off again. And we're searching for like, what, what is that yeah, thing? We're already so disappointed this, in ourselves. Yeah, this, this, this book can help you dig, dig, dig to right. find that. So, so like you're talking about, so that, you know, our, our, our roots are our inspiration. And then our, our, the branches of the tree are all the ways in which we can express what inspires us. And there's lots of really tactical um, and exercises to draw out elements of what you're inspired about, your passion, and and fold those into, um, you know, vocations or avocations or ways in which we can play. It turns out that's really important that we find ways to play um, in our life. And so that we cannot, you know, I think a lot of us, and I certainly did, you know, if I had a tree, sort of the one major branch would have been my job. And that was pretty much, it'd be like a one trunk tree. <laughs> I don't even know there'd be any other branches. It's, like it's, it's like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. We just have one branch here. <laughs> one, and it's really lopsided, you know, really skewed over. And, and we feel like oh, I've got to like put everything into my job. That's my one way that I can, you know, sort of lead a meaningful life. And we have lots of different ways. You know, we can have a slash career. We can pick up an avocation. Um, we're not going to be able to find one place to like express all the things that we're passionate about. 
Um, for me, that would be a crazy looking job. I don't even know what that would be because yeah. I have multiple interests. What is a slash career? Is that like a side hustle? Sort of, you know, except maybe without the word hustle. Okay. Um, because it, you know, it, it gives you sort of, you know, a vocation and avocation are really the same. It's, it, they should be a calling, you know, you should be called to do the work because of something you're passionate about. It should have meaning for you. Um, you know, at the best case scenario. And then the only difference is that a vocation is where you earn money for uh, participating in that. And an avocation doesn't have any pressure of, of, um, uh, finances, a financial return. Okay. So a lot of people, you know, you may be, um, uh, a internal, um, interior designer, that may be your avocation, whether it gives you money or not, right. but, you know, it doesn't matter. That's what you're passionate about. And your vocation may be, uh, you know, being a lawyer and you're really passionate about that, you know, like you can have these sort of different worlds going on. Maybe one side is photography, nature photography. Right. Um, and another side is, uh, you know, a school administrator. Okay. okay. So, so so those branches, those expressions are really teasing out all of the ways and giving the exercises to actually find and imagine, create different options for yourself. Like, okay, I can't get this in a vocation, but what are some avocations I could pick up? And then finally, the leaves of the tree are your impact. And those are all your relationships. So when I look at my vocation, you know, what are the, what kind of impact am I having with all the people involved in that? When I look at, you know, one of my expressions, is a mother, you know, and I have my kids at the end of that, what is the health uh, and wealth of that um, relationship? And how can I sort of manage that? Because I don't know about you, but I've seen people that have magnificent looking trees that are always in winter, you know, it's like <laughs> they have no or very few good relationships. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. 
Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Um, so we just, you know, so, so the model is the full tree so that we can keep all of life in view, you know, in the dashboard um, and mindful of that. That makes sense. So throughout the book, you share a lot of practices. Some of them you have just uh, referenced one of the, well, there was a few things I really liked. Um, You talk about meditation, you talk about the visiting hour, which I thought was really interesting, um, which is visiting things that can be uncomfortable, but also necessary to help you work through them. You talk about the emptying process. So with emptying the way, the way I interpreted it for me personally was like the opportunity to get my anxiety out. And you talked about the way different ways people do this. And you and I, I think both do it through exercise, but that like, if I'm feeling anxious, frustrated, any, any sort of overwhelming emotion um, or confusion exercise is how I get it out. And then I always feel better when that's done. You talked about for Deli, your wife, that it's through writing. Um, and I've actually tried emptying through writing and it's really hard for me. It's so interesting that like, and maybe because exercise is so much more practiced in me, um, that exercise is like the guaranteed emptying, whereas Mm -hmm. writing it's like, sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's not. Um, so you mentioned all these different practices. What of the practices have been most impactful to you and where do you recommend other people start with so many different options? Uh, are you referring to the, like the, the emptying process? Or? Um, well, just, just the many different, there's different practices that you mentioned in terms of, um, things that you could add to your day. So you mm-hmm. talk about meditation mm-hmm. or, you know, spending certain amounts of time each week, focusing on connecting or, you know, take, spending certain amounts of time in that visiting hour, like going back and really thinking about the things that you are, um, that are most challenging, and overwhelming. So with so many different things, in different, and you know, gratitude practice would be another, like, do you incorporate all these different things at one time? Like today I'm going to practice gratitude and meditate and, you know, emptying and, or do you practice, or do you suggest like 10 minutes a day, you just focus on one thing? Well, I, I think with any, you know, new practice, we should pick up one strand at a time, okay. you know, and, and, you know, if you haven't been practicing, you know, I, I, I think of uh, us, you know, sort of our, 
our mental and our physical, spiritual sort of health needing a system flush every right. day as much as we can um, so that we're not carrying forward so much of yesterday, you know, into today and or living for tomorrow um, and sort of doing these, um, the, the, you know, taking time to meditate to sort of empty your cup and then and then fill it again are great ways to sort of stop and, and pause and take a moment to do that. And if you haven't done, you know, any of the practices like uh, any mindfulness or meditation or, or a gratitude practice, then I encourage you to, to pick up one and try to incorporate that, you know, for 21 days before then trying to fold in another one. Yes. I love you mentioned that in the book that practicing for 21 days, and then you can kind of back, you know, you mentioned specifically, um, in relation to one of the habits specific, specifically that you practice, it was new to you and it was challenging. So you practice it for 21 days. And then after 21 days, you went to like three days a week. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a really good point to practice really regularly early on, even if it's just in little short spurts, but getting it in frequently, um, because that really, allows you to make the change versus, I mean, which, you know, the same thing would be like with exercise. Like if, if you only exercise once a week, it's like the first time every time versus if you get in a little bit every day, then it becomes very habitual and, um, and you feel the impact of it on a much greater level. Exactly. And, 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 and that's what it is, especially with gratitude and, you know, gratitude attunes us to joy. Um, it really sort of, you know, lets our antenna find, uh, the moments of joy in our life um, and the positivity in our life. We're much more geared to notice and dwell on negativity. Yes. So that's why, you know, for me, gratitude is a must. It's a must every day um, because I do, I don't know if I'm, you know, to one side or the other, but I know I have a tendency, um, you know, and I'll beat myself up, uh, you know, like I just have a tendency to sit with what didn't go well. Yeah. Um, that's where I like to hang out and pitch my tent and it's not healthy and it's not productive and it doesn't necessarily, you know, um, translate into more positive moments with others around me. If I am ruminating, you know, right. if that's all I'm doing. So for me, you know, it's the gratitude journal. The journal is, is kind of like putting, you know, my joy on blast, you know, right. it's like, okay, I'm going to tune in so that I can then, as I'm outside of this practice, just walking around on my feet, I can recognize moments of, you know, peace or, you know, what I would call joy. So whether Mm -hmm. it's peace or just that, you know, sort of inner fist pump or man, like the air right now feels so cool and crisp. I love that. There's an eagle. Like I can, you know, take them the time to experience that and breathe it in instead of just looking at all the things that, you know, could or did go wrong. Um, so they're all, all the practice and, and mindfulness, mindfulness is, um, you know, if you don't do it for 21 days and if you don't do it really for every day, you won't understand the benefits because it's, you know, it's not something we can see. If I go to the gym, maybe three days a week and hit it hard, I can start to see something happen right. and, and mindfulness, you know, we're shifting the mind's tendencies to again, hang on and surf on negative thoughts. And and we're driving a wedge between those thoughts and then what we do with them. And that just takes time. It does. Building a different muscle and that we can't see, but we need. 
Yes. Oh, and I can't, there was a quote that you had in the book about wiring. Um, and now it's completely escaping my mind, but yes, that like the more you practice those mental connections, the you physically change your mental wiring. Well, it's uh, neuro- neurons that fire together, wire together. Yes. That- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was I, it was highlighted and underlined. Um, yeah, yeah th- I thought that and was that's, such that's a that's the really cool thing. Our brains are so plastic that the more we practice, you know, the more we practice gratitude or or spending time uh, kind of, you know, practicing mindfulness. So we're not reacting instead of we're recognizing, OK, that's a thought that feels real and it's not true. Like the more we do that the more we actually change our own brain so that in the future, we're just going to be there already more and more. Right. Yeah. I, I, I so agree with that. I, um, as someone who has always been type A and high prone to anxiety, I've, I laugh when people say things like, Oh, how can you just always be so positive? And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not always so positive, but Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of rewiring for me over time to learn how to work around anxiety and like recognize like, okay, I feel it coming on. Like I know, I know exactly what I need to do to like, not let it hold me back. Um, but that is definitely rewiring. And like my instincts in, you know, historically, in my early life were definitely to like shrink and pull back and hide and not try new things and like just stay where it's safe. And that's completely the opposite of how I live now. Um, but it's been through really consistent practice over mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, especially of like trying new things, being, un- being comfortable, being uncomfortable, <laughs> really recognizing like every time I try something that's hard, <clears throat> recognizing the benefits at the end and recognizing what I learned. And so, I mean, I, I see so many instances where that rewiring takes place, but it is a matter of practice for sure. And it does take, and then you see it taking place over time. Yep. What is the lasting impact you want for your book to have on women in particular? Oh, women in particular. This is interesting because as a female <laughs> CEO, I was often asked, you know, as a woman, what is it like or what's the difference? And I, I would kind of throw around the same verbiage I did about work-life balance. <laughs> like, I don't know that this is a gender thing, but, right. you know, I, 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 um, I, it, the, what I, what I want, you know, what I want for anyone, including myself, um, is the courage and the ability to live a worthy life, not worthy in how many things can I collect, but at the when it's all said and done, you know, um, we feel like we live to our true potential and we live true to ourselves. I don't know how many times, you know, I read studies on or, you know, see an article on the regrets of the dying and at number one every single time is, you know, I did what others expected of me. Um, and I, or it didn't follow my dream. Um, and, and we tend to fall asleep at the wheel a bit and feel like we have time or that activity, the level of activity will somehow, if not now, then later will equate to a level of happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it works. You know, happiness is, is, is a byproduct. Um, it's not a goal. It's a byproduct of doing, engaging in what turns you on, you know, in this moment. And so that's, you know, that's what I want most is to provide people the, you know, some ideas, some skills, 
um, some tools in which they can begin to tune their life into more about them and less about everybody else. I love that. Working from the inside out. <laughs> um, right. What are you most excited about in your book, in Life Inc.? Hmm. Or most excited it, to share with the world? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think what excites me about this book is is that I'm bringing everything together. And yes, it's a lot of, you know, life is big. It's a big (laughs) subject and I'm dealing with all of it, you know? Um, And I'm excited that this book is bringing it all into one place. Um, You know, I, I do feel, you know, reading books on specific things um, is important. And yet I don't know that there's a lot of, almost guidebooks out there, if you will, of like, okay, how do you like take this all and kind of um, put it all under one umbrella so that you can see all the moving parts together. Uh, So I'm, I'm excited about that, about getting that tool out there. So we can, you know, what we focus on expands, you know, what we measure tends to increase. and, And this gives us an ability to kind of put our attention in multiple areas instead of just focusing on one. Yeah. Hi, doggy. Oh my gosh, my dog. <laughs> there goes the dog. The UPS guy <laughs> must be somewhere in my neighborhood. <laughs> so I can hear, I told Hallie before we started the interview that my husband is homesick and I can hear him trying to corral the dog right now. <laughs> Lots of chaos in my house that I'm pretending See, is not happening. That's life, right? It totally like, is. You know, you can be upset about it. Or we can say, oh, we got to do that question over again. No, no, that's no, just what happens. We're leaving it in. It. It's that's not, right. th- certainly not the first time people have heard my dog go crazy. <laughs> I recently had to stop. Rec- I was doing a solo episode and I was like, you guys, I can't take it anymore. Like I have to push pause for a minute. <laughs> And go up and get the dog to shut up. So so you had just said what we focus on expands, which is one of my all time favorite uh, quotes and philosophies and just such an important thing to keep in front of mind at all times, because whether if you're down in the dumps and you focus on being down in the dumps, Mm -hmm. your dump is going to get a lot bigger. (laughs) If you are growing and evolving and focusing on positive things and moving in a, you know, exciting and fun direction, that's really fulfilling, that's going to expand. So it's, it's, I love how, um, I feel like that gives me so much freedom and so much choice in the direction I want my life to go. So I appreciate that you said that because it's, um, I mean, I noticed it in the book as well. And I was like, yes, like one of my favorite philosophies. And I also, it's uh, something that, especially as my four-year-old becomes more of a, um, intelligent, Mm -hmm. semi-functional human being, I think it's important to to talk a little bit about attitude. And he's taken, he recently started saying things like, Oh, it's the worst day ever, which makes me crazy. (laughs) And I like, Oh, about a bad day. I totally got on him the other day. I was like, we do not talk like that in this house (laughs) because what we focus on expands. (laughs) If it's the worst day ever, like it's going to keep being the worst day ever, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. It's like if you like if you're on a motorcycle or a bicycle and you look down at the ditch, that's where you're going. Yep. Uh, um, totally. And, and I think I saw somewhere that we have I'm going to get a slightly wrong, but, um, you know, like we have something like 98,000 thoughts, you know, in a day oh and over like 85 percent of them are repeats from the day, day before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so really like being practicing mindfulness, quieting that mind, you know, focusing on gratitude, noticing joy. Like these are ways that we can really 
engineer almost in a scientific way, you know, like, okay, so if I want the repeat of my thoughts to be more on a positive side, then that's what I need to be depositing more of today. Because like it or not, yesterday's going to carry forward into tomorrow. Right, right. Or today into tomorrow. So, um, but you know, so those, those stats are kind of like eye opening, but they're really encouraging to me because it's like, okay, I have, like, I have an ability to, to, there are things I can do to impact that. Right. And so many opportunities. Like if you get 98,000 opportunities a day, it's okay (laughs) if you mess up a couple. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The margin of error is really forgiving. Right. So Holly, tell us where we can buy Life Inc. and get started on uh, reading your story and also putting some of this into practice for ourselves. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. It should also be in your local bookstores as well. Um, so you can pick it up there. And then I also want to let people know that, you know, I know that there's some people that prefer the, the Kindle version, which there is. Um, and there are a lot of exercises in the book, or there are those who got the print version and don't want to write in the book. So what I've done, if you go to the website, lifeincorporated.co, lifeincorporated.co, there is a tab called, you know, called book and under there is book resources. And you can download like a bundle of all the exercises in the book as a PDF, which you can either print out and fill out or I've designed them. So you could just open them up in Adobe Acrobat and fill them out online. Oh, cool. Very cool. So I will have all of that linked up. Um, I'll have Amazon links, Barnes & Noble links, and then lifeinc.co all over at um, shamelessmom.com. And then you just want to click on episode 94 to get those resources and get the book in your hot little hand as soon as possible. Um, And then in addition to that, I will also link our past interview, which was episode 30. So I'll link up to episode 30 if you want to hear more with Hallie so that you can hear both of her shameless mom interviews. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. This was so fun. And now you have to go, please go write another book so you can come back. Well, thanks for having me again. I so enjoy my time with you, Sarah. Oh, thank you for coming. And we will talk again soon. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you loved this episode. Remember, you can get all the show notes and any links mentioned over at shamelessmom.com. Just click on episode 94. You can also hear Hallie's past episode at episode 30. So you can get lots of conversation between Hallie and I. It's been really fun getting to know Hallie in these couple interviews that we've done together. And uh, I'm a huge advocate of her book. I'm really enjoying it myself. And uh, I'm dying to go to her launch party next week. So she's lots of good things in the work. And she's just a fantastic person to be connected to and to be following. So make sure you reach out to her through her website, through her book. And then I'll also put links to social media on the show notes as well. So you can connect with her there. If this episode was meaningful to you, please do share it with others. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com, clicking on episode 94 and getting a link. You can also go to our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at the Shameless Mom Academy and share episodes from there because all of our episodes are always posted there on those social media pages. And then lastly, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So please come back and spend time with us. You can also subscribe and get our episodes as soon as they are released every week by going 
into shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you right into iTunes where you can click on the little subscribe button. And if you're there for a moment, you could also leave a review. So there's also a little button for leaving a review. It says write a review. You can click on there. If you do it from your phone, it's super easy and quick. So shamelessmom.com forward slash review to leave a review and subscribe to the show. Um, And you'll get all of our episodes as soon as they are available every Monday and Wednesday. So thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day and make sure no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.